send for the women. The women who will pray. The women who have talents, gifts, and resources. To do serious damage to demonic agendas. Send for the women. The women who will mourn. The women who haven't allowed bitterness and hate to turn them into mere mannequins. The women who aren't so downtrodden that they've forgotten how to feel. Send for the women who still have the ability to feel and cry so they might wail against what the devil is doing. Send for the women who will weep and wail. The women who will mourn in sackcloth and ashes. Send for the women. The women who will wake up, everyone around them, calling out, the devil is destroying us. Death is on its way. Send for the women who will be God's warning shout to his people, his alarm system, his tornado signal, his air raid siren. The women who God will use to warn his people of the impending consequences of sin. Send for the women who have a God-given destiny to destroy the power of Satan over God's people by waking them up and calling them to a morning of repentance. Women who would teach their daughters to weep against sin and the assault of the devil. Send for the women. Women who have a destiny to open their mouth and cry against the evil that the devil has put upon God's people. Women who have ideas to be voiced, energy to be released, abilities to be exercised, power to be loosed, spiritual gifts to be expressed, prayers to be prayed. Send for the women who look toward the future. To what they can be, what they can do, what they can say, what they can pray, what they can possess that will bring glory to God. Defeat the devil and see a nation saved. Send for the women. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Busy Believer podcast. How's your week been? Mine's been going crazy. We've had like waking up to like 7 o'clock in the morning at 75 degrees. And just two weeks ago, we were looking at 40 degrees. And you're just like, what is going on? Well, we know what's going on. It is the Lord. I mean, anyone with common sense would know that nobody can control the weather. This climate change crap is just for the birds, you guys. It really is. So, what else has been going on in life? I mean, for me, like today, it is Tuesday for me, and it is like raining. And yesterday was like 80-something degrees, and we were up high in the mountains, on trails, on the UTV. Speaking of which, I had to wash that thing today, and it was like totally just compacted with mud everywhere. It's kind of like a kid that takes a toy and drives it through the mud and you're just like, oh my gosh, before you even bring that in the house, we've got to spray this whole thing down. So now my driveway has like all this mud on it and I thank the Lord for the rain today because it's actually washing the mud down my driveway. So I guess it's a blessing in disguise. Other than that, we still have the impeachment of Joe Biden processing through, starting through, as we go through wall after wall of blocks within our path, leading to the impeachment of Joe Biden, right? I mean, it's going to happen, you guys. We just got to hold fast and trust in the Lord. that Everything is going to happen the way God has, has it planned to happen. All right. So with that being said, Joseph... Something just lured me to Joseph besides the fact that I'm actually in Joseph in my daily Bible reading. 
And so it was just so interesting how I was thinking about his life. And I was like, wow, you know, he really went through the fire. He went through a lot of testing. Of course, that's where I came up with the title of favored, forgotten, fame, and faithful. Well, wait. Matter of fact, I think it's actually the Lord that actually gave me that title. He had to have because that's what I saw in his entire story. So we're going to look at Joseph and see how it applies to our lives. And if you don't know the story of Joseph, let me just narrow it down for you. I've read some different Bible studies on this and people say, well, Bible studies will say that Joseph was an ordinary boy and his special family. And as I got to look into that, I was like, you know, I don't agree with that so much. I actually think Joseph is a special boy in a crazy family setting. Now hear me out on this. So I'll get back to the, my reasons why. But let's give a little facts about Joseph. See, when Joseph is introduced later on in Genesis chapter 37, we learn that he is one of Jacob's sons. And he's out there pasturing the flock with his 10 older brothers, right? We'll get into the brothers in a minute. So at first, there's nothing special about him. He's a typical boy out there. But the only thing that differentiates Joseph from his older brothers, according to the family, is the fact that his mother was Rachel, who is Jacob's dearest wife, most favored wife, and the fact that Jacob and Rachel had Joseph at an old age. Apart from all that, he's a shepherd boy like all the other boys out there, right? So why does the Bible introduce Joseph to us? Well, early on in Genesis, we read about Joseph's great-grandfather, Abraham, and about God's promise to him. So now it gets ready to come all together. See, the Lord had promised Abraham many descendants, and these would be blessings to all nations, right? That he would actually have kings within his descendants. Later on, all of these promises are repeated to Joseph's grandfather, Isaac, and to his father, Jacob. So see, God has special plans for this family. So now, I actually think Joseph was a special boy in a crazy family. What does that mean, Monica? Well, here's why I say that, guys. Because when we look at it, you had all of the brothers, 10 brothers, that were just unruly. They thought they had it all together. They thought they knew it all. And on top of that, these guys had a sister. We don't, we hear like maybe like one chapter. And if you don't know the story, you could find out this is how crazy I thought this family was. So they have a sister amongst the 10 brothers. Her name's Dinah. Well, Dinah gets ready to go hit the town, guys. She's getting ready to go hang out with the girls. She's getting all dressed up. And the prince of this town sees her, rapes her, 
I mean, and then turns around and comes back and says, uh, Daddy, don't be mad, but I really like your daughter, and now I want to marry her. And you're like, seriously, people? Why not just hook up and say, hey, who's your dad? I want your hand in marriage, and then go ask the dad. I mean, your dad is like the king of that area. But instead, he let himself go further than where he should have gone, right? Well, it was crazy. The crazy brothers. They end up going and come up with this plan. And as I was reading this plan, I was like, wow, there's something to this plan now. So they come to daddy and they say, hey. What are we going to do about this? Well, Jacob, he's old in age now. He's done traveling the world. He's done fighting, you know, everybody that he's supposed to fight. He just wants to settle down, be with his wives, let his kids do their thing, and hopefully they can move on and move out, right? Well, it doesn't go that way. They come up with the plan. Well, the king and the prince who raped the daughter decide to come in and say, hey, we love your daughter. My son just wants to marry her. Don't be mad. I'll give you whatever you want. And I want, uh, just, just let us have your wife. And then guess what? You can have our wives. So there's the unequally yoked problem right there. But it goes even further. They agree to it. Why did Jacob agree to this? Why didn't Jacob go and say, you know what? I'm going to pray to my father and or to my God and we'll get back with you that's all he had to say but he goes back he thinks about it the brothers push the idea the wives push the idea Jacob comes back and says guess what we'll do it we're in so next thing you know Dinah's taken she's given over to the prince and the brothers have a have a problem with it but the plan to them it's a plan of scheming and betrayal to old Jacob, their father. And I'm telling you guys this to get to the real issues, the real Bible study. I'm, I'm trying to fast forward through this story. So, so they end up coming to the town and they're like, hey, we agree. But on one condition, you guys got all you guys, you have to get circumcised. Every single one. They didn't care how old they were, whether they were 10 or 102 or everything else in between and everything else above 102. Because man lived a long time, right? During the Bible times. So the guys all agreed to it. And I don't know about you, but I mean, at least these guys get done right away in the hospital. But as an older man to go through that, I couldn't even imagine. And so we'll just leave it right there for the sake of the show, right? Okay, so all of the guys agree to it. They shake hands. We agree. They all get circumcised. Well, during that downtime of healing and being sore and everything else that the men could be feeling during that time, that's where Joseph's brothers, two of them, Simeon, Judah, devise a plan. And they decide, that they are going to go rescue Dinah, their, their sister, from the guy who raped her. Well, they go through the entire town and kill every man. Which, I'm just like, why did you even do that? Now, if I was a brother, 
I would have felt the same for my sister if that happened. But to go and kill every guy, I don't understand that concept. Maybe they could have went in and said, hey, kill the king, kill, kill the prince that did the deed. And say, no, you're not going to ever do this again. But why did they kill every single man and destroy the city? Well, because it's one crazy family. Joseph is the special boy in a crazy family. So see, kind of put it all together a little bit. Go ahead and leave me your description. Give me your say on it. Let me know what you think on the prelude to Joseph. Joseph comes in. He sees all of this going on right. He's just like a 10-year-old boy going out to go babysit all the sheep. But God has something special for this guy. And that's where our study begins with Joseph, the favored, the forgotten, the famed, but faithful in the trial. We'll be back after this. Hey everyone, welcome to the Busy Believer Show, where we study the Word of God and apply it to our daily lives. I'm your host, Monica, and I'm here to encourage you in your faith and walk with the Lord. In this show, we explore the scriptures and share testimonies and learn from other believers who are living out their faith in the midst of busy schedules and challenges. I know, we've all been there. Hey, you can subscribe to this show on thebusybeliever.captivate.fm or your favorite podcast app. You can also come and support this ministry and get access to exclusive content and early release by becoming a patron on www.patreon.com forward slash busybeliever. Thank you for joining me today and I'll leave the links in the description below. And now, let's get started with today's episode of The Busy Believer. So the favoritism. Where did it all come from? How did it all start? Well, the obvious answer is yes, mom and dad. But it even goes deeper than that. See, daddy, Jacob, when he was young and his brother Esau, when they were with Isaac, Rebecca said to Jacob that she had overheard her father, or his father, Jacob's father, say to his brother Esau about a blessing that he had to go hunt for food. He had to come in before he passed away and feed him. And then he was going to give him his blessing because Esau was the oldest son. Phew. Okay. But Jacob steals Esau's blessing. And so there was favoritism between Isaac and Rebekah. Rebekah loved, what was it, Esau. Or Rebekah loved Jacob. But Isaac loved Esau. Esau was a good cook. Of course, favoritism through the stomach. So the favoritism is already in the family line. They do it. And so instead, Jacob did what he should not have done, showing favoritism in his own family. Jacob should have known better because he knew the scar that is left on the heart of one who's, who's been either the favorite or the rejected child. 
I mean, look at the agony he suffered by being the object of the discrimination through his own family. His father preferred Esau, and his mom preferred him. And it caused all of this damage. So Jacob lived the example, but he didn't take it into account when he had Joseph. His consternation over Esau pained him for years and years. He fled and traveled all over the country just to not run into his brother. If anybody should have known better, it was Jacob who should have known because he lived it, walked it, breathed it. He went through it. But Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in old age. Okay, that's a blessing. But despite all of the brothers, he makes this beautiful robe of many colors. And what was the result of Joseph's beautiful robe? Major, major hate and jealousy, rage. His brothers just hated him. They couldn't say a kind word to him. And they rejected him. They mocked him, spoke ill against him. To his face, behind his back. The only thing worse than giving a robe of many colors was Joseph actually wearing it. Filled his head. I'm the favored one. But Joseph, a proud kid, he wore it. And that's not all. It gets even deeper than that. He tells his brothers these dreams. And then all of these dreams he ends up telling the family, because of Joseph's dreams and what he said to his brothers, they hated him all the more. I mean, the resentment was further fueled just by Joseph telling all of these dreams and how all of the brothers would bow down to him one day. I mean, can you imagine, say you're the older brother or the older sister, and you've got a sister or one of your brothers come to you and say, I had this dream and one day you're going to like bow down to me. After a while of hearing it endlessly of all these different dreams that he had. I mean, it would just like drive you nuts. But these guys, the brothers, it drove them so upset, so angry and so jealous. And that's what I want to bring to you is like the jealousy that we see in it. If you flip over to uh, Proverbs 27, and it's in uh, verse four, and it says here uh, about the jealousy, anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Jealousy is just that, it's that seed that's planted. And if it gets watered, it can drive us to even more ugliness in our lives. It'll destroy us. It fuels our anger. And ultimately, it leads us to our downfall. Where we act out now in sin. We prepare to destroy, crush, embarrass, hurt somebody else to deal with that jealously in our heart, to quiet it down. And that's what these brothers did. They planned to kill him. But instead, one of the brothers decides, hey, 
I don't want the blood on my hands. And he says, hey, let's sell them to the passing traders who end up, they buy him. I think it was like 20 pieces of silver, if I'm not mistaken. And I remembered that because I remembered that the Lord, it was 30 pieces of silver. So the traders take him to Egypt and that's where he becomes a slave to Potiphar. He becomes the forgotten now because all of the 11, what is it, 10 brothers, all of the 10 brothers gradually forget him. They move on. They think they got rid of the problem. And that's the thing with the enemy. He will do everything within his power to stop and silence those dreams. I mean, when you think about it, we can go back. And when they were thinking about murdering Joseph prior to selling him to the slaves, it was premeditated murder. And they were trying to stop the favoritism and silence the dreams, silence the purpose, silence the voice within Joseph, silence the destiny that God put in Joseph's heart and in his life to make sure. And that's what the enemy does to us. He tries to make sure that our purpose and our, and, and our destination, that it never comes true. He will do everything in his power to stop us. But see, here's where the forgotten comes into play. So the brothers move on thinking that they got rid of Joseph. We know that Jacob is never going to forget him. That's his favorite son. But the boys begin to move on, bearing the, the guilt of what they've done, the betrayal of what they've done to their father. And I'm sure the anger within each other welled up. And then here again, the Lord goes, I'm going to break you, Joseph, of this idea of favoritism. So he pulls him away from all of that. He's thrown in, into slavery. And now here comes temptation. So let's just keep piling it on to him, right? But see, sometimes we have to go through that refiner's fire to come out as the purpose that God has put us on his earth to do. And a lot of people think, well, I'm going through this. This isn't going right. And my finances aren't going right. Or my relationships aren't going right. Well, you know, how about looking at the example of Joseph? And never once during this whole time from being snatched up by these brothers, thrown into a pit, then turned around and sold. He didn't like curse God and just die like, like all of Job's friends told him to do. Joseph didn't even do that. He never once looked up to God and was like, why are you doing this to me? He kept his mouth quiet. He kept his mouth quiet, even to the extent of not even saying anything harshly or accusing Potiphar's wife of trying to make the move on Joseph. I mean, that would be hard to do. Can you imagine getting ready, thrown into prison because your wife or the one that you worked for's wife accused you of rape? 
or you were accused of it, and you didn't say a word? I mean, I got to give it to Joseph. That's some self-control to not say anything. But then in all actuality, he was a slave. Slaves' words don't mean much. And being in Egypt, he could have been killed. So the wisdom of Joseph was already there. So here he is, thrown in prison, and he's forgotten. Two years later, he's called upon to interpret one of Pharaoh's dreams, to actually come before the Pharaoh of all Egypt. And he interprets the dream so successfully that he was released from the prison. He was made Pharaoh's right-hand man, and his wisdom meant Egypt was about to survive a coming famine. So there we now have Joseph was favored. Joseph was forgotten. And now here comes Joseph's fame. But in the fame, Joseph was so humbled during the times of being forgotten that that was a time where he could have enacted his revenge on the prison guards, enacted his revenge on his brothers, enacted so much revenge. I mean, to, to learn to be humble throughout that whole going through the fire moment. Could we actually have that same self-control, that same humbleness? Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a quick minute and tell you about my page, Patreon. It's a platform for content creators like myself to earn an income based on the subscribers such as you yourselves. As a subscriber, you'll receive perks for supporting my content, such as a shout out of your own website on my podcast. You can also be in the know to all of my pre-orders on my future book releases and special discounted prices on those books. So hey, please consider supporting me with a cup of coffee at www.patreon.com forward slash busy believer and i'll be sure to put the link below in the description thanks again for listening We're often so glad that we're, we're out of the fire, we're out of the flame, ready to expose any and everything that somebody did to us. And that's where we get into James, where it really does fit Joseph about the taming of the tongue. It's a small rudder, but boy, can it steer our entire body either towards heaven or towards hell. It could have steered Joseph into mega power to be able to slam Potiphar for throwing him into prison, slam Potiphar's wife for accusing him of something he didn't do. What humbleness, what taming of the tongue, what self-control. So now Joseph's got fame, right? And then he is able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. He figures out what they mean. And to be able to help Egypt survive a famine of seven years. So then during this time, 
Joseph's family returns into his life. But see, even though he was forgotten, he also forgot about that. He buried it deep down in his heart. Kind of like we do when we have those wounds or, or past things that we want to just forget and we bury them deep down. God will eventually bring that up to, so that we can experience forgiveness. So that we can let it go because if we don't, if we don't forgive others their trespasses or their sins that they've done against us, how can God go ahead and forgive us of the things that we have done in our lives? So now it's time to forgive. Now it's time to bring up that that wound. It's time to pull the band-aid back and expose the wound and allow for healing for any of them and for everybody, for the apologies, for the forgiveness of everything. But now it's also time to exactly show that God's word, when it is spoken out on somebody's life from the moment that he was a boy until now he's a full-grown man, to show that the prophecy that he was given that one day all of his sons and his mom and his, and his dad would all bow down to him is now right here in the lap of Joseph. Through all the ups and downs, one message stands out in that. That once his brothers discovered who Joseph was, when he reveals it, and the fact that they hadn't seen him for all of these years, who knows how many years had passed, probably thought he was long gone, if not dead by now. They feared for their lives once they recognized who Joseph was. Because here again, Joseph was the second highest in command of a country and could have killed them right off the bat, could have imprisoned them right off the bat, could have punished them right off the bat for what they did to Joseph. But the key is Joseph recognized that God had been with him and had used all that he had experienced for God's purpose, God's plan from the moment he was a boy all the way to right now. Joseph was even said, he goes, you intended to harm me. He's saying this to his brothers, but God intended it all for good. He has brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And as a result of his actions, Israel would eventually grow from 12 small tribes to what we have today, a vast nation. So as I wrap this all up, you know, Joseph's story is a powerful reminder that if we stay faithful through the favoritism, through the forgottenness, and even in the fame, God will cause everything to work out for the good of his people and his plans. And I want to end it with this. I want to go to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to go to um, verse 28. Romans 8, 28. And it says here, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. 
who have been called according to his purpose. And so I just want to remind you guys today as we wrap this up with, da or with Joseph, not David, <laughs> with Joseph, that no matter what you're going through, no matter if you are in a position of favor and you have everything about you going right, stay humble. And when you are in the moment of being forgotten, remember, God doesn't forget you. Man may forget us. Man may think that we're we're gone, we're long gone, if not dead. We're in a hole somewhere, under a rock. But see, we're not supposed to be worried about what man thinks. We have to keep our eyes on the Lord. And in the forgotten moments, to look up and say, Yet will I praise you, for you are good, and your mercy endures forever. And when God brings us out of the forgotten stage and the fame that we have, we're back on top of things. Things are good in family. Things are good at the job. Things are good between you and the Lord. To always, always stay faithful, stay humble, stay in self-control. And hey, I hope you join us next week for another deep dive into the Word of God. And with that, this is Monty signing out. Hey everyone, thank you for listening to the Busy Believer Podcast, where we study the Word of God and encourage each other to apply it to our daily lives. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new from the scriptures or gave you a fresh perspective on the scriptures that you already know. And if you want, you can support this ministry and get access to exclusive content by visiting me on www dot patreon dot com forward slash busy believer and become a patron there for exclusive perks you can also subscribe to this podcast on the busy believer dot captivate dot fm or your favorite podcast app such as spotify and amazon hey don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and family let them know that there is someone out there sharing the word of God. And go ahead and leave a review. Let me know what you think of all of these podcasts out there for you in these Bible studies. I would love to hear it. And if not, just let me know what's your favorite summer drink. God bless you and see you next time on the Busy Believer Podcast.